God, thank you so much who you are and for all that you have done in our lives. God, we are so grateful for you. We're grateful for the ways in which you have moved in our lives. God, this morning, as we dive into your word once again, I just pray that you would speak through me again, God. Would you just uh, be the words that come out of my mouth, God? Would you fill those words? Would you give me those words? That they would be your words and not my words, God. That they would be your words for your people on your day, God. We're here to hear from you. And so, God, we just give you thanks. We give you praise for who you are. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, uh, last week, uh, we started a brand new series in the book of Ephesians. You know, we've really been all year spending a lot of time uh, kind of heavily in Scripture, right? We've, we spent the January, uh, our GROW initiative for this year was to learn and follow Scripture both personally and in community, um, and that's kind of what we've been doing, right? We started with Word of God, moved into the Psalms, now we're into Ephesians, uh, and my hope has been that you would just kind of just catch fire for Scripture, that you, it would just come alive for you, you'd just be hungry for it, that you would just want more of it. You know, we're going we're gonna to be in Ephesians again today, uh, and so as you're turning there, uh, if, you, if you're in one of our Bibles in the pews, it's on page 1006, I'll just remind you of where we were last week. Last week, we did the entirety of chapter one, and we just took a look at the church. What does Paul have to say about the church? Uh, you know, I, I, I remember last week, we talked about how the first kind of half of Ephesians here is really a theological in nature. Right? And we said, you know, Paul is really talking about the church here in chapter 1. And as the church, we are the body of Christ. Remember, we talked about being the church. The church is not a building. We are not consumers of church. The church is not an institution. We are not competitors as a church. We are the church. Right? We are the church. We can go out and be the church. And as the body of Christ, we're called to go out and we go with the authority of Christ and we bring the glory of Christ with us as we go. The world sees the beauty of Christ through his church. And that church is not a building. Again, we're not consumers of church. That church is not an institution. Remember, we are not competitors as churches. We are the body of Christ. Again, there are churches all in this area. I mentioned this last week. There's Sunnyside Church over here. And right now, they are worshiping just like we are. Right, this, this farm church over here, they're worshiping just like we are. Right? We are all on the same team. We are all the body of Christ. There's not Jesus, the head of the Baptist church, and Jesus, the head of the Nazarene church, and Jesus, the head of the Episcopal church. No, there's just the body of Christ, and Jesus is the head. And so this is what we talked about last week in chapter 1 of Ephesians, that we are the body of Christ. And as the church, we go out with the authority of Christ and we display the glory of Christ. You know, this week we continue in the book of Ephesians to what is honestly probably one of the more, uh, I don't want to say iconic because it's not the right word, but significant maybe passages of Scripture. Uh, in all of Scripture, in, in the entirety of Scripture. This is one of the, the more significant passages that we have in all of Scripture. We're going to start chapter 2 this morning and go from verse 1 to verse 10. And it's one of these, these, these passages that you have probably seen before. Maybe you've heard it before. Some of you might have some artwork in your house that, is, that has this, at least probably verse 10 on it. Uh, you know, uh, this is one of the more well-known passages, at, at least... You know, it just, it's just a good passage. But really what this passage does for Paul is Paul 
really goes from talking about the church and talking about the body of Christ, of which Jesus is the head, to really talking about the gospel. Paul, in these 10 verses in Ephesians 2, really gives us a beautiful picture of the gospel, and he shows us the beauty of the gospel. And there's some some truths in here that Paul shares with us that I think this passage is going to guide us through. So let's read this together. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, starting at verse 1, and we'll stop at verse 10. It says this, As for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace, expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork. Created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So, many of you have probably heard at least this passage, probably that last verse here, God's handiwork created in Christ, created to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Uh, As I said, this is just an incredible passage that we have here today. And if it's not familiar, I hope it will become familiar to you. Because this is a a great passage. It really just kind of outlines the gospel. What is the gospel? What is it that we believe? (laughs) Right? Why did we come this morning to worship? Why are we here? What do we read in this book? What is the message of this book? What is the message of our faith? What What is it? Well, Ephesians 2, 1 through 10, our passage for this morning, really kind of lays it out for us. All right, what is the gospel, Paul? Well, Paul, let's, let's hear how Paul answers this question, what is the gospel? And really, the gospel always begins with God. The gospel always begins with God. Now, Paul spends the first three verses here in Ephesians 2 talking about sin and the effects of sin, and that's, we'll get to that in a second, I promise. But then he goes into kind of just who God is. I mean, let's read, read this. There's verse 4, starts with the, the word but. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even we were dead in transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. So for for three verses, like I said, Paul kind of leads off with, with the sinfulness of humanity, and we'll get there in a minute. But the verse that changes everything is really this fourth verse. But, all of this is true, but this is where it starts. God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, verse 5. Verse 6, he raised us up with Christ. Verse 6, he has seated us with him. And I want you to notice this in this passage, that it is God doing all the work. God is doing everything in here. Right? And you notice that all the, all the verses that refer to us 
in this part of the chapter are made in the passive tense. It is happening to us or for us, right? God made us alive. God raised us up. God seated us with him. And verse eight, even, you have been saved. Right? Everything that we do in this passage is, is passive. God is the one who is in control. God is the one who is active in all of this. You also see God's character all throughout this passage. Right? God being rich in mercy. Right? You see, but you see even in the beginning here, you see God's wrath and his love and his justice and his mercy. And it's interesting to see all of that in one passage, right? How do you see God's wrath and God's love? How do you see God's justice and also his mercy? Right? Paul here had such a, such a big view of God, though. I think that is one of the, the, the biggest hindrances to the gospel today, is we have such a small view of God. A small view of the gospel. But yet Paul is here saying, oh, God is wrath and love. He is justice and mercy. And I think we need to understand all of that and, and all of God's absolute holiness, the same holiness that we were singing about today. I think these are key to understanding the gospel. See, I think if we have a small view of God, we have a small view of the gospel as well. But if we can zoom out and take the big picture view of God, then we can see the big picture view of the gospel as well because God is the beginning and the end of the gospel. I, think, I was thinking this week just about, about the gospel about all the things that we in our culture have done to shift and to change the gospel of Christ. And here's really what, in a lot of ways, it's become. There are so many people today that have bought into this idea that, that God is just kind of a means to, to the end. It's a means to stuff. It's, you know, you put your faith in God, you can have everything you want, Right? Put your faith in God and you'll be healthy. You put your faith in God and you'll be wealthy. You put your faith in God and you'll have prosperity. But that's not the gospel. It's definitely not the gospel that Paul is talking about here. And it's not the gospel that this book is talking about here either. Right? The gospel of, of Christ is not come to God and get stuff. Come to God and get health, wealth, and whatever else you want. The gospel is come to God and get God. That's the gospel. You come to God to get God. The gospel starts with God. It also ends with God, but we'll get there. The gospel starts with God, but then we do have to go back to these first three verses because the gospel is incomplete if we don't also talk about our sin. Now, this is where Paul starts off in, in verse 1 through 3. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, and following his desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Even verse 5, when you get to verse 5, made us, God made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in transgressions. Uh, our, our sin is serious. This phrase, transgressions, is an interesting one. It literally means to break the law, right? to break 
the law. In this case, it is the law of, of God. It's, it's what God has called us to. I, I want you to think about this. Ever since Genesis 3, which we talked about a lot in our Word of God series, this has been the case. Right? God says, don't eat from this tree. And Adam and Eve are like, yeah, I think we're going to do it anyways. I just, just think about this. Everything in creation responds in obedience to God. God put the planets in motion. He knows the names of the stars. He knows where the mountains are. He told the oceans where to stop. Everything in all of creation responds to God in obedience. Except for us. Right, we have a tendency to be like, nah, we, we want to do things our own way. <laughs> and really, this is our issue, particularly when it comes to, to sharing the gospel. See, the problem is not that, that life isn't always right or that we mess up here or there or that we did some wrong things or we made some bad decisions. The issue is that sin, since Genesis 3, is really at the core of who we are. This is the issue. Right, sin is the core of who we are, and we are dead without Christ. That word dead is in there twice. <laughs> Paul just wants to drive home here, like, hey, look, you are dead in your sins. Amen. You're dead in your sins. In fact, that's how he even starts off this, this part. Remember, Paul didn't write like, hey, this is chapter 2, verse 1. Paul was just writing a letter, but he just writes this, hey, you were dead in your sins. You were dead in your transgressions. And then in verse 5, it God raised us to life even though we were dead in our transgressions. All right, we, were, we are dead in our sins. I mean, there, there are just, you look to Scripture and you see this truth all over the place. Even just a few weeks ago, we were in Psalm 51, looking at David, just coming to grips with his own sin and the grace of God. Remember, David and Bathsheba, the story in, in 2 Samuel, 1 Samuel. Remember, David sins against God. And in Psalm 51, we have kind of David's response to this. And it just, I mean, just listen to how this, how this psalm begins in Psalm 51. He says, Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love, according to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Remember what we talk about. This literally means just, can we just pretend like this never happened? For I know my transgressions, and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. I remember David just coming to grips with like, man, I have, I have messed up. I have sinned against God, but... He also comes to grips with the grace of God. He comes to grips with, with the truth this morning that, that God has come to action. That sin is not the end of the story. See, here's the truth this morning. Like it or not, sin is a part of the gospel story. We have all sinned. I mean, Paul, even in the book of Romans, is clear about this. Romans 3, 23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But I am so grateful, and you should be too. That's not where it ends in Romans, and it's not where it ends in Ephesians either. 
I mean, think about this. Romans chapter 3, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. There is a but there, just like there is in Ephesians. I'm sorry. It says it's and. It's an and. <laughs> but it's not a but. And in Ephesians, it's a but. And in Romans, it's an and. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. That is Romans. Well, here's, here's how Ephesians says this. Right? You, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world, of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh, following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Sounds familiar. Romans 3, all of sin fall short of the glory of God. Ephesians 2, we were all, like the rest, by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even we were dead in transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus, in order that the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. See, it starts with God, and sin is a part of the picture, but is not the end of the story. Because the end of the story is because of Christ, we can be saved. That's part of the gospel. That is the good news of the gospel. Because of Christ, we can be saved. This is a huge part. And it's not because of anything that we have done or could do. It is because Christ is enough. His sacrifice on the cross was enough. Think about all that we have put together this morning. Right? God is holy. We are sinners. God is just. So because God is just, he really has to punish the sin. We also talk about how at the same time, God is just, but he is merciful. He is loving. He desires to save people from their sins. I want you to just just feel the tension of this this morning. God is just, and we are sinners. Like he says in Ephesians 2, we were all deserving of wrath. That would be the just thing to do. But God, who is rich in mercy, did something about it. Right, God, who is rich in mercy, I mean, just this question, how can God be just and merciful toward sin at the same time? I mean, that right there is the ultimate question of the gospel. How can a just God save rebellious sinners who rightly are deserving of his wrath? How, that is the question of the gospel right there. But most people don't think that's the question of the gospel. We like to go the opposite way with this question. We, we ask this question, if God is so good and loving, how can he send good people, how can he keep good people away from heaven? If God is so loving... Why doesn't he just overlook all the sin? If God is so merciful, why can't he just overlook all of this? We tend to go that way with it, but the question of Scripture is the opposite. God, how can you be just and let, essentially, rebels into heaven? And here's the answer. Because Christ is enough. He sent his Son to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die, to conquer death once and for all so that we could spend eternity 
with him. I mean, just listen to these words. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It's by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. Even while we were dead in our transgressions, even when we were stuck in our sin, God, being rich in mercy, took action, sent Jesus to live the life that we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die, to be raised to life once for all so that we might live with him forever. Now, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. I love the way C.S. Lewis talks about kind of this idea between God's justice and his wrath and, and our sin. He says, we don't, we don't come to God as bad people trying to be good people. We come to God as rebels who are laying down our arms. I just find that, that imagery just so beautiful. that we are, We're not just bad people trying to be good people. We are rebels who come to lay down our arms, which actually leads me to this last part of the gospel because, yes, we have sinned, and yes, God is love, and God is grace, and in his mercy and in his love, he has provided a way out from our sin. But we have to respond. There has to be a response on our end. It is by grace that you have been saved, verse 8, through faith. And this is not from yourselves, this is a gift from God, not by works so that no one can boast. It is grace by grace that you have been saved through faith. There has to be a response on our end. Here's the question, why faith and not works? Why do I have to respond in faith and not just by going out and being a good person? Not by doing good things, not by doing a certain amount of good things and saying a certain amount of prayers. Why is it through faith? And here's the answer to that. It's the same answer as the last question. Because Christ is enough. There are no amount of good works that you could do that could add enough to the sacrifice of Christ. That could add anything to the sacrifice of Christ. That sacrifice is enough. There's no amount of good works that you need to do or that you are called to do in order to be saved. It is by faith because Christ is enough. Right? The rest of verse 8 says it's not from yourself. It's the gift of God. And honestly, it seems too easy, right? It seems too easy. You're telling me all I have to do is realize that my natural tendency is towards sin and ask for forgiveness. Yep. That's it. That's the whole thing. That's the gospel. I mean, Paul, again, in the book of Romans, I found my place, <laughs> book of Romans chapter 10, he says this, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. Think about that. If you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It doesn't say if you believe in your heart and if you proclaim with your mouth and if you go and do this many things. There's, no, there's nothing else. 
If you believe in your heart, if you declare with your mouth, Jesus, Lord, believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. It is because of Christ that we are saved, but it takes a response on our end. And here's the thing. When we respond, we begin, our life begins to change. When we respond and we begin to just follow Christ and love Christ and want more of him, our life begins to change. See, here's the confusing thing. Paul, Paul confuses people sometimes when he writes, and this is one of those places. Because here's what he says. He says, It's by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's not by works so that no one can boast. And then the very next verse says, For we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works. It's like, hold on, Paul. <laughs> what is this whole good works thing about? Like, why are we talking about good works if that's not important? Right, if that's not how we're saved, why do we keep talking about these good works things? Like, what is going on here, Paul? I want you to just hear this verse again. It's not by works. I'll start at verse 8. For it is by grace you've been saved, through faith. This is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Not by work, so that no one can boast. For we're God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. See, so here's what Paul is saying here. It is not by your works that you are saved. But when you are saved, your life will look different. And you will begin to do some things that you would not have otherwise done because God is calling you to do them. Amen. Your life will look different for no other reason than you said yes to Jesus Christ and you began to follow him. Right. Our lives change when we are saved. I mean, there is a new way of life that comes when we are saved. And this is where I really like that we are just going to spend time in Ephesians because Paul spends a lot of time in Ephesians talking about what that new life actually looks like practically. And so we'll get there, but I want to leave this here today. It is not by works that you are saved. It is by grace. Because even in our sin, even in our deepest, darkest place, God, who is rich and mercy, out of his great love for you, sent Jesus. Jesus came and he lived a life that we can't live. He died the death that we deserve to die. He defeated death once for all so that we might have this relationship with God once again. How does a just God look at sinners and not just be full of wrath? I love this passage because it, it just entails everything. God is, yeah, God has wrath, but he also has mercy. Yeah, God is just, but he's also full of love. God is bigger than anything that we could ever imagine. We can't put God in this box, but I want you to hear this this morning. The gospel begins with God. God is the beginning and the end of the gospel. God, who is love and mercy, he is just, he is wrath, he is all of those things, looks at us, natural born sinners, and out of his great love for us, sent his son to live the life we couldn't live, to die the death that we deserve to die, to raise to life once again so that we might be with him forever.
And if we respond and we declare with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and we believe in our hearts that God raised him from the dead, we will be saved. And not only will we be saved, but our lives will look different. That's the gospel. This is the gospel in 10 verses. <laughs> I mean, this, is, this is amazing. And like I said, as we continue on in this series, we're going to unpack more and more about what that life actually looks like. What are, these, what are these good works, Paul, that God has prepared in advance for us to do? Well, good thing he keeps writing. Right? We're going we're gonna to talk through some of these things. We're going to talk through what Paul says to this church in Ephesus or the churches around Ephesus. And uh, it's going to be a good series. But my hope and my prayer this week for you is that you would just be reminded over and over and over of the gospel. That God, in his great love for us, even while we were still sinners, took mercy on us. Sent his son Jesus so that we might be with him forever. My question is, have you responded and will you respond? That's the important part. Will you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord? Do you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead? Because if so, you will be saved. You will be saved. And as you are saved, life will begin to look different. I'm excited to talk about how different and in what ways it'll be different, but I think that's a good place to end this morning in Ephesians 2.10. You are God's handiwork creating Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. Amen. amen and amen. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for who you are and for all that you have done. God, we give thanks for you. We give thanks for all that you have done. Uh, and God, we just give thanks this morning specifically for the gospel. God, it, it begins with you. You are love. You are full of, of love, God. You, uh, you, you have wrath, but you also have mercy. You are just, but also loving, God. You are just amazing. God, we thank you for the gift of your son. We thank you for this, this gift that we have to be able to, to once again be in relationship with a holy God even though we are not, we, we, we were sinners. I pray that as we go through life, God, as we go through this week, that you would just remind us of the gospel, that this gospel is not just for us, but again, as a church, we go out and we display your glory to the world, God. Will we display the glory of the gospel this week as we go out? We make a difference wherever we may find ourselves. God, we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Would you stand with me this morning? And uh, as you stand, just uh, hold your hands out and just receive a blessing from God. May our God, God of grace and love, our just God, our wrathful God, but also a loving and merciful God, may he go with you and ahead of you this week. May he be in your workplaces, in your homes, in your cars as you travel. And may he just encourage you as you go, that you might make a difference for him, that you might have an opportunity to share the gospel this week. Go in grace, in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for coming this morning, everybody.